I'm Dr. Stephanie Munt. And I'm Dr. Ellie Summers. And this is Two Women Running Their Mouths, a podcast for women who run by women who run. Our 80-20 rule, 80% dishing, 20% running. Season two of Two Women Running Their Mouths, a podcast for women who run by women who run. Yes, so we are on season two. We are excited to be back and maybe chat about some new things. Gosh, I feel like I don't know how to start a podcast anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> two months, they've gone so fast, though. Yes. Um, today, Steph and I have a really important to talk about. We're going to be dishing and um, discussing a very important topic on body image today. Yes, absolutely. So to start off, I, we're hoping that we can, our stories will resonate with women. Uh, this is obviously a big, heavy topic. Um, but I think starting out, Ellie, do you, have you had body image issues? And do you think running has or sport has played a role in those? Um, what's been your experience? Yeah. So, oh gosh, we need to like zoom backwards a little bit. Right. Um, I think body image stuff really popped up in collegiate level soccer for me most prominently. And in looking back on some of that experience and thinking about why, first of all, as a collegiate level soccer player, I think I was a little bit naive, um, young, didn't have strong critical thinking skills. Um, and it didn't, I didn't really see it as a problem in part because it seemed like everyone around me had similar, I'm going to say issues or concerns about their bodies. And so my freshman year as a D one soccer player, I think I developed some of those insecurities, uh, in part because of some weight gain that I had, um, most of which was pure muscle mass playing soccer and lifting weights um, and playing at such a high level. Uh, and then I think part of it was just being surrounded by really high level athletes who had um, history of eating disorder and body image issues themselves. So it was at that time that I did things like um, my roommate and I at the time, we, we took pictures of ourselves in bikinis or in our underwear, essentially, um, from different angles so that we could figure out the problem areas and go on, I'm going to use the air quotes here on a diet. Ooh, we need to talk about dieting as it pertains to body image and athleticism. So we could go on a diet and lose weight and see how our bodies changed over time. And first of all, our my body didn't change at all because I was a horrible dieter, <laughs> loved food. <laughs> and I think intuitively I had enough sense to know that food fueled my performance. Um, but there were certain comments from my coach that made me question whether or not I needed to lose weight to get faster. Uh, and I think a combination of being in that high level competitive environment, it just made me think about it a lot more. It made me question and wonder. It made me feel insecure. And um, 
really consider that if losing weight would make me a better performer on the field, faster on turns, um, quicker, and more likely to get better starting positions. So that's when it all kind of started. Okay. Do you feel like there was a, and I don't know if this is different for different sports running versus soccer and more sports that I think are generally thought of like distance running versus soccer sports that are generally thought of to need a little bit more power and speed really at short, short distances. Um, Do you feel like there was an emphasis not only on maybe possibly losing weight to improve performance, but also just like quote healthy eating in general and like feeling your body perfectly and not putting crap into your body. Uh Like, do you feel like that was uh, a prominent thing? Not at all for me. Maybe that was, again, like, I'm like, I was maybe naive and didn't think about that stuff critically or um, take it to heart, I guess you could say. I think, honestly, some of the narratives I made up were narratives that I made up um, and not were not explicit from a coach or from any person around me who was saying, you need to lose weight. It was my perception of how I might get to what they were telling me I might need to work on. So my coach was telling me, you know, I want to see you be faster on turns and stuff like that. And I took that as I'm heavy. I'm too heavy to turn fast, Uh, which is an interesting thing in and of itself and helps you realize how people can make up their own stories about what you're telling them. Uh, And for me in particular, it just meant that my story was I'm fat Mm -hmm. and I should lose weight so I can get faster. I feel fortunate in ways that at the collegiate level, none of the coaches I felt were pressuring athletes to lose weight, were discussing nutrition in a way that was like, these are healthy foods, these are unhealthy foods. It wasn't nearly as prominent as I imagine it is in other sports. Um, And that could be like, there's some just pure luck there in entering a collegiate sport and not being placed into a toxic environment. The irony is that on our team, we had, you know, several athletes with eating disorders, um, one of which I remember needing to go to the hospital for. It was a discussion on the team. And I don't think, um, I don't think our our culture there was feeding into it super heavily, but I think it's just a culture that women athletes experience at any point, you know, I'm, I was lucky to only start to feel that way really in college, but I think many athletes feel insecure in their body at really, really young ages. And the evidence shows that that's true as well. So, you know, we're talking, I think body image awareness starts as early as like under 10. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, where does that come from? There's just like culture behind that culture and language and, perception of um, the, the idealistic, I'm air quoting that, the idealistic body that's um, desirable, right. again, air quotes. So yeah, in ways I feel very, very fortunate that I wasn't engulfed in some of that identity in those scenarios. I think that I was lucky to have a family that was supportive. Um, there's some stuff to unpack there with family as well, but yeah. So that's kind of like my experience with eating disorder, but I know in the running community, it can be a much different experience and having gone through a 
coaching certification with coaches right next to me telling me that their athletes needed to lose weight to get faster. Whoa, that was a wake up call for me. Uh, so I think the, our audience would be curious to know about your experience, Steph, um, and some of your history here. Yeah. So, um, my, I can't actually, it's funny. I can't remember exactly if there was like a, a turning point. Um, for me, I think it started more as a desire to be faster, the performance aspect, just like, like you mentioned. Um, and I started exercising more, eating less. I'm sure it had something to do with seeing what distance runners, fast distance runners looked like. Um, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. So um, the, the hard part at that age, so this was uh, sophomore year of high school, is at that age and in the even later years, but in those initial phases of overexercising, eating a little bit less, oftentimes you do improve, whether that's an improvement just because of that more running consistency over time, or um, I have no idea what the other possibilities would be, but I started running a lot faster for a year and then started getting bone stress injuries mm -hmm. and everything, you know, went, went wrong after that. So I think I don't ever remember a time where I, uh, until, until I started gaining weight, like a healthy weight, I don't remember a time when I first started um, really not developing. It wasn't that I lost weight. I just didn't really develop through high school like most girls do because of that energy deficiency. Um, but I don't remember a time where it was about looking thin um, or looking fit. Um, it was more, I think this is gonna help me run faster and maintain my identity as a fast runner through high school. Yeah. And then as that, changed and I, you know, started to recognize this wasn't healthy and started to gain weight, that's when the body image issues started to really turn on. So it was almost like I, and this could have been the, uh, the reasoning for it previous, previously, but I started to kind of use running as a way to try to keep my old shape or my old, old weight, even until probably a year or two ago, I started to realize that I've been using this, you know, like, well, once I can start running 50 or 60 miles a week, my body will change and I'll look like that ideal distance runner. And that's, you know, even up until age 27, 28, I'm starting to recognize that's what I was using it for. Um, but, you know, you don't make it to 50 or 60 miles a week because you're not fueled, you're not recovered. Um, and that's, I think with most women with a disordered eating history or actually probably just most women in general, disordered eating or not, um, there is an aspect of exercise that's the purpose is like, okay, so like, let me make sure I still look good and that's okay, but it can drive you to different lengths and to become obsessive about it. So it's a really tough balance, I think, between like, why am I doing this? Is this for my mental well being to get outside, get fresh air, to, or is this is the purpose of this workout um, solely for me to burn calories? so that I maintain my, the shape of my body suit or my earth suit. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Whoops. Um, I don't, yeah, it's, uh, as far as the running culture, I think that is probably more common. You know, we heard from Mary Kane and it, once it starts, it's really difficult to get out of. Um, like you, I, I didn't have a culture of, 
you need to lose weight to run faster. Um, that's what I created myself, I think, out of the things that I followed or saw or runners that I knew. Um, yeah, this just speaks, I think, again, to, you know, what, what just people see in the media and the narratives that we create around it. And, you know, I think when it comes to body image, especially, you know, we see, we see idealistic, that's even a bad way to phrase it. Like we see these bodies of people that we idolize and that creates this concept that we want to get there because then we'll be worthy Mm -hmm. of love, of attention, of status, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll finally love our body. Mm -hmm. And it's such a toxic culture. It's just such a toxic culture. And I think there's not a a single woman that I know who is immune to that experience. Um, I mean, literally every woman I know has something there to unpack, you know, a part of their body that they look at with a little side eye, um, or all of their body. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's truly unfortunate. I think, I think in talking about it, we can help shed light on some of these things and know that there's help and services for them. I think all it also, uh, creates, what am I trying to say? Just like a sense of community around it, that you're not alone, that you're not the only one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I can think back, like, this is, this is just a funny little side story in a way. When I was a kid, I remember watching, um, oh, there were like these aerobic videos that my mom used to do, or they were on TV. I don't yeah. know if it was like Jane Fonda. That's just so classic. I don't remember who it was, but I remember noticing her body in certain ways at a really young age. And I remember consciously thinking to myself, I want big calves. Like (laughs) I want strong calves. And then as a soccer player, those just develop naturally. And then somewhere along the way, I decided that big calves weren't attractive anymore, weren't desirable for me anymore. And I think it just goes to show like at a young age, like my perception of the body was like power and how to use them, you know, aerobics, maybe not, but it was just like, you know, this is what our muscles do. And then as I grew up, it became, this is not valuable. This is not an attractive piece anymore. Now, all of the types of clothes that you want to wear don't look good because you have big calves. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I think it's just a sad acknowledgement to what women go through with their bodies and how much time we waste thinking about it. Mm, lots of time. Yeah. And I have a, I have a good friend here in Seattle who is a, um, intuitive eating nutritionist. And one of the things that she said a while back when we were having a discussion is, you know, think about all the clothes that you buy, you know, do you buy clothes based on the size of your body now? Or you, do you buy clothes with this, like, like desire to get into something smaller? you know, so then you buy them and they don't actually fit comfortably. And then you're like sort of shaming yourself to try and fit into them. And I just, that got me thinking really hard about, again, my sort of past self in sports and athletics was like, 
oh, I want the biggest baggiest shirt. I want the loosest shorts, like just be comfortable all the time. I didn't have any fashion sense whatsoever. I still probably don't have as I'm wearing like this huge baggy sweatshirt. Comfy. <laughs> Comfy. But you know, at some point something switched and it became like, you need to buy tight jeans and tight leggings and tight shirts and all of these things that like don't fit really comfortably. Mm -hmm. um, and it sort of almost perpetuates the narrative that you need to get smaller to fit in these certain types of clothes. And I just reflect on this sometimes and how, you know, it's like the twenties, I would say were sort of the worst era for me for my body image. And I hit the thirties and I was like, fuck it. Like, I'm just, I'm going to wear what I want. I'm going to be yes. comfortable. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Course, it, a little style helps sometimes, but uh, yeah, everybody needs that. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. That's an interesting point. I think that actually just hit me somehow this year because I have yeah. clothes that I had in college. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it would be nice to fit into these again. And I'm like, um, Steph, you're 10 years removed, almost <laughs> 10 years removed from college. Why? Who cares? <laughs> like your bodies change and that's normal. That's completely right. normal. And plus, like, that's not exactly, it's not in style anyway. You don't, you don't need it. Get rid of it. So I think that that's such an important point. Like, why because as the years go by you know even in your maybe your ideal body image or when your body was in its ideal shape I think we can all fit think to a time where you know I was you know didn't have as much side eye right but was I actually happy with my body then either no yeah like we have to create satisfaction with our bodies in the current state because yeah. if you're always reaching for something you're never going to get there that's exactly it. And I think that, you know, was it, who's the comedian who recently did a post on Instagram about body image? Why can't I say her name? Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer. I yeah, don't remember I exactly what she said, but you know, she said something to the fact of why do we waste our time on this? You know, we spend so much time worrying about our body and it's, it, it does no benefit to our own selves. We, we're doing it because, because of these arbitrary, like made up reasons. And it's just a waste, it's a waste of energy. And I think of our joy, um, it sucks us of our joy for sure. And I feel, I feel like, honestly, after I quit playing collegiate level soccer, so much of my body image stuff started to wash away because, because I wasn't in a competitive environment anymore. Like I wasn't in a state where I was comparing, you know, trying to get a spot. Like what are the differences between me and this person? You know, is it body size? Is it speed? Maybe I need to get faster. Maybe I need to lose weight to get faster. Um, I wasn't in those positions anymore. And ever since then, I feel fortunate to say my attention to my body has been nearly carefree. Um, up until about, I would say last year when I was imbibing in alcohol more than I felt comfortable with and from a health standpoint, and then from a body, just feeling standpoint, it wasn't sitting right with me and finally decided to give up alcohol. So, um, yeah. And that's, you know, there are probably going to be some natural changes if you finding stuff that feels good as far as like 
energy wise fatigue, which are similar, but like GI distress, I think there's, there's something that works for everyone, but reflecting on, okay, how am I feeling? Am I like, just, is this a state of well being for me or am I just giving this up? Is the, the intention, right? Am I giving this up because I want it to change my body? Because right. if it doesn't, then you're just discouraged. But I think right. that's a that's an important point. Is yes, some of these these things are like quote healthy behaviors. Are right. it's not like those are bad, but it's the intention behind it, and ultimately coming back to what makes you feel good and not waste time and energy on things that you you might be unable to change or things that just make you feel like crap. Yeah, yeah, and I think to your point, there's always a balance there. There's, there's a balance because I've had, you know, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I've had athletes who argue, you know, I like doing it this way because I feel good when I do. Right. And I think to a certain extent, some of that can stem back to control and control of body control of fueling control of nutrition, um, you know, control of body weight, all of that. And so a little bit of a balance, you know, obviously I think, you know, if you think you have struggles with this, seek help. Um, I think, you know, Steph and I are not experts on body image. We're here kind of sharing our story about it, but I do think it's a very real and present thing. And it shows up in a lot of different ways in sport. And we know that women who are participating in sport do appear to have greater issues with body image than ones who are not. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just by participating alone, you are subject to criticism and critique of your body all the time, not only within yourself, but externally, depending on the degree and level of your participation. So it's a very real, real issue. It is absolutely. Yes. And I I agree. You know, if you are struggling with this, I think you're not alone. Um, Counselors can help reaching out to an RD and they can direct you to a counselor as well. Um, And if you have any questions or need resources, uh, let us know because we we do know some good RDs and we can help you find a counselor in your area that might be helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think practitioners, any practitioners, I'm going to say this sort of blanketly, and I could be wrong, who are practicing intuitive eating are a good starting point for a lot of people. Um, You know, the nutritionist I work with, she is not a dietitian, but she practices intuitive eating. And that alone can help people just over some of these hurdles. These like sort of blind thing, like buys things that we don't always see, like the clothes that we buy, you know, buying the size small when what I really want is the size medium, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and then on top of that, the dietitians that I know in the Seattle area that are very present in, um, body positive, uh, and intuitive eating, um, treatment styles, are, you know, the dietitians are also practicing those same sort of methodologies and they, they have different skill sets and different approaches to those things. But I think baseline, that's a great starting point. Cause that just means somebody's already coming in with an understanding that the way your body is exactly as it is right now is beautiful and acceptable and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And their goal is to help you understand that too. Yes. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's perfect. I completely support that. I think that last that last statement about the way that you are, the way that you come in is complete and perfect. And they're just trying to help you work with that and understand that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very powerful feeling to, to be, you know, coming from a place of body acceptance and body love. Mm -hmm. uh, it takes practice, but yeah. Yeah. Not, not going to flip a switch, but not going to flip a switch. I think yes, worth it though. Take some work, but definitely worth it. Yes. So anything else today, Steph, you want to review? Or so. No, I don't think so either. If you have a body image story you want to share, please feel free to reach out to us. You can email either of us. I'll include our emails in the show notes. I will also include the information to some of the people that I talked about today in Seattle. I don't know if you have any, you, you yeah. work with um, Rebecca McConville. Yeah. Yes. We can include her info as well. We can include her info. She's not in Arizona, but she does work remotely. So um, we'll include all that information if you're looking for some resources and some people to go to. I think it's also pertinent to say that Stephanie and I, as coaches and clinicians, also have a good concept of how to engage with people in a body positive fashion in our environments. Um, maybe that's a topic for an, another day, how clinicians contribute to body image issues um, and coaches contribute to those things through how we talk to people. Um, so if you are in need of a physical therapist or you are in need a, of a run coach, Stephanie and I are both very well practiced at understanding the struggles that women may face and creating safe spaces and environment for folks um, to express some of their, some of their vulnerabilities and know that there won't be judgment. So. Yeah. Thanks, Ellie. That really, that sums it up. That's in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's deep in my heart as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll include, of course, as usual, both Stephanie and I's contact information and links to our websites and services. Um, if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And I think that's it. That's We're it. out. Thanks for being here. Bye. Yeah.